0: Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House.
1: Hey guys! On this episode today, I have comedian Mike Baldwin. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did, uh, finding out about a comedian who actually supports the president. So enjoy! Yay! Okay, so how does it feel to be in the worst industry ever right now?
0: Um, it's uh, it's not bad for me. That's good. <laughs>
1: I say the worst industry because it's like twofold for you right now. So you've got what I would consider like a social justice warrior campaign to shut off all joking. And then in addition to that, you have coronavirus, which is closing down all nightclubs.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, you're not wrong about those things, but it's uh, I think there's the world of Twitter and then there's the real world. And I think most real world people are fine with. Doing jokes that are maybe offensive to some people or joking about certain things. Like, occasionally you'll get a person that will just yell out the word no if you say a certain subject or something like that. But, uh, but. What do you do part, in that I mean,
1: situation? If somebody does that, do you continue regardless or do you try to well, kind I mean, of.
0: You- Yeah, you have to acknowledge what's happening in the room. So I mean, sometimes it can completely throw you off track. And it kind of depends on what what room you're in and what kind of security they have. Because, you know, a lot of clubs have strict, no talking policies. So I mean, they they can have a bouncer or something walk right up to the person and be like, out, you're out. And then the person will leave and they'll complain the entire time. But a lot of clubs don't have that also. I mean, they'll just... If a person yells, then you just have to deal with it.
1: Wow. So you've been doing comedy for 20 years, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Or I don't more like than? To, it, yeah, no, it's been 20. I just don't like to... It's weird to think about how long it's really been.
1: <laughs> I, I've looked at... Uh, my husband and I went out for dinner the other night, and somebody got a beer, and I I literally as a grown adult sitting in a table across from them, asked to see their ID because I didn't realize I had gotten so old that 14 year olds actually look like they're not old enough to be buying beer, but they're really over 21. So.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I see like kids that go to the high school that I went to and I'm like, that's not what I looked like when I was.
1: That
0: <laughs> no, but we still look totally like was. we were in
1: high school, right?
0: I know. I'm still <laughs> the exact same as I was when I was 16.
1: Um. So how did you get into doing comedy? So I think doing comedy, like, I, I don't know any other way to refer to being a comedian. That's, but
0: That's the way that you say it. You said it right. You nailed it.
1: Okay. So how, what brought you to that? Did you go to college? Did you do the normal route? Or did you just go straight into doing this?
0: Well, I always liked comedy as a kid and I liked uh performing and and getting attention and stuff from people but I didn't like uh competing for attention and I didn't like I I I don't know what it was I so I guess watching comedians made me think like yeah that's exactly what I want like I want everybody's attention but I don't want anybody else to be able to say anything so I think that's what (laughs) That's what drew me to it, you know. Uh, so
1: classic narcissistic personality. Is the word. I,
0: I guess so, yeah. I mean, they say most comedians have, have something going on in their brains, you know. I mean, we. It's that I had two older sisters, you know, so I think that had a lot to oh, do so with you it. I forgot bit. a word in edgewise. Right, of course. So, you know, I would start to say something and they would know where I was going with it and they would just finish sentences for me. My mom tells a story about how I didn't say any words or anything until I was like five because I just knew that I could point at stuff and mumble. And my sisters would be like, oh, yeah, he wants this toy right here. <laughs> and my mom would be like, make him say it. But right. They're like, well, I'm going through that right want. now with like, my
1: kids. I have an eight-year-old and a one-year-old. And he has gotten into this habit where he just points and goes, uh, uh, uh. And It's like, she'll get up. She'll go get it. And I'm like, no. He has to start speaking the items that he wants.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't. See, I I waited until I was five, and look at me. I'm fine. <laughs> That's like, a, what is that called? Confirmation bias or something?
1: Right. Like yes. It's
0: like Emin, Eminem dropped out of high school, so why can't I? <laughs> oh, so. But I, I never answered you before. As no. far as coronavirus goes, uh, it blows. Yeah. Um, Having everything closed right now is is the idea of it I think is worse than the actual effect that it's having on me like as a comedian uh I mean first of all, all of my shows cancelled and everything, so that sucked um so I had no money coming in. I ended up uh getting the the twelve hundred dollar check though which came at like the perfect time right. Uh, like right when I needed it the very most. And then I got uh a $500 grant that I applied for from this uh, like comedy charity organization they were putting out a thing. So I signed up for that and luckily I got approved for that. And then I got, uh because Congress passed whatever thing they passed, then it counted me, an independent contractor, as a small business. So I got to get a small business loan
1: and That's passed,
0: awesome. Oh, it was wonderful. And then they passed the thing that if I spent 60% of it on utilities or rent or payroll, then it's uh, forgivable. So I don't even have to pay it back. Um, That's
1: so great. That,
0: dude, it was awesome. So that helped me a ton. Um, I got. Yeah, there's a, little a part of
1: me that wonders, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I mean, I know a lot of people that were 1099 contractors that were not eligible for unemployment obviously and they were you know um like real estate agents insurance agents things of that nature and i don't know that they're at least the ones that i know personally i don't know if they were aware that they were eligible for that so that's I'm awesome surprised. that you were able to capitalize on it
0: yeah i'm surprised how many uh could just comedians i talk to that don't know about it yeah um, and and another thing is that all of those people that you just listed are eligible for unemployment now. That was part of the thing Congress passed also, because I got unemployment too.
1: Is that a state thing, though? Is that dictated by your state based off of your industry, or is that a federal thing?
0: Congress passed it, so it must be a federal thing.
1: Huh. See, I don't think they know that either, then. or There would be a lot more people making money right now.
0: I signed up for unemployment back in, oh, I want to say April or maybe May, and I just got money about a week ago, Uh, but I got all of that back pay and everything, and it all got put into my account.
1: Thank God for you. I was really genuinely worried about you.
0: Mm. No, I mean, I'm doing great, and then the Target thing happened, and I just started it as a joke, you know? Uh, (laughs) but then while I was doing it, I was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to put things on here that I don't want. Cause right. I just put it in a, I just put it in a video that I made, you know, it was like, hey, I did a target registry. And like the first time I said it, I said it as a joke, you know, but, uh, so then I actually went and made one and then people started going to it and actually buying stuff, including you. Yeah. You bought well, me a blender.
1: Here's the thing. And, and, my my whole point is I, I watched a couple, a few of your YouTube videos, and, you know, those were free for me to watch. Had I gone to the bar, I would have probably paid for drinks, I would have paid for food, you know, whatever, or even just pay to see your show. So I felt like buying you a blender was, you know – Reciprocity for you giving me a good laugh while I was sitting at home during the corona. So
0: that's awesome. That's a great way to think about it. And yeah. also a way that I'm going to try to pitch it to people now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, that's what's fair, right? I mean, it, it sucks for you. You don't have any way. And yeah, you could monetize your YouTube and stuff like that, but then nobody's well, going to pay I for can't. it.
0: Yeah. I can't do monetize my YouTube because I don't have, uh, However X amount many of
1: followers or whatever.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's just stupid. I agree. I agree that it is stupid. Um. Uh. But. But yeah, I mean, I could Patreon it or whatever. But you're right. Nobody would want to see it then. Right. Because I have like three people that are actually fans that would be like, <laughs> Oh, hey, I'll I'll pay to see this guy. Everybody else is just like, Yeah, that's no, that's. True. I became a fan after one video. Oh, well, thank you. So now I have four.
1: You have four. You have four fans. So where are you at now? I I know you moved. Where did you, like, what state are you in?
0: I'm in Kansas. I'm in Wichita, Kansas now.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: I was based in Kansas City, Missouri, which is about three hours away. Um, I've lived other places in my life. Uh, I lived in L.A. for a year. I lived in New York for a year. Uh, but both times I was just doing comedy on the road the whole time. So I came to the conclusion of like, why am I paying a thousand dollars a month to live here when I'm on the road all the time? I could pay $400 a month and live in Missouri and still be on the road all the time.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So I've moved away and then moved back multiple times, but now, yeah, my mom is, uh, sick she's got cancer which is the shittiest thing ever and yeah uh, but she's doing uh surprisingly well with everything uh she has it's in her lung and it uh spread to her bones uh so she didn't have a good uh what's the word like prognosis, prognosis. Or Whatever. but uh that was we found out about it oh probably six months ago now and Uh, There was about a one-month period where, I mean, she didn't get out of her chair, you know, like she needed help to get to the bathroom, and we ended up getting her a cane and then a walker and uh, all of that stuff, and then she started doing the chemo. Uh, Luckily, she never had any nausea or anything, never got sick. Uh, Her hair fell out, but we don't give a shit about her hair, you know. Sure, Uh, no. But, yeah, so she's done probably six or seven chemos now, and, uh, and yesterday we went out to eat. She's got – she's doing no walker, no cane, none of that now. She's still, awesome. She still still grits her teeth and makes noises and stuff if she's got to, uh, you know, step over something or uh, go up a step or something. Like I live on, the, on a third-floor apartment here, and she hasn't seen my apartment. She can't get right. that far yet. But I mean, she's doing a thousand times better than she was when we thought she was going to die any day six months ago.
1: Well, I'm so happy to hear that. My father also had lung cancer. It it spread to the point where I think in the end, it ended up being the chemo and the radiation that ended up killing him because he was, I mean, he'd been through it so much, had so much treatment that I don't think his body could handle it anymore. I don't think it was yeah. the actual cancer that killed him, but I'm very happy for you that she is doing better and that her her condition has improved. That's so awesome. Cancer yeah, is a has. fucking bitch, no. man. It oh, becomes after that yeah. any day. it does not discriminate. Um. So talk to me about like having doing comedy. You said sometimes you know there's places it doesn't matter how many times you yell at somebody. Do you thrive off of that? Do you get encouraged when you have people that heckle you a little bit, or does that make you shut down a little bit? Which one is easier for you?
0: Uh, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but really it's, it's sort of just part of the act now. I mean, after, basically, if you figure out something that's funny, like you're not only going to do it once. Um, right. That's the thing that a lot of people don't understand about comedy is that the reason that we don't want people yelling out is because we have a plan already. We have a script of jokes that we want to say. So by yelling something out, you're just throwing us off of that script, uh, which can mess everything up. Uh, A lot of times it depends on the comedian, um, but it can also make things better, you know, and there's, and that depends on the comedian too, you know, Uh, Some some comedians are better at just talking to the audience than they are at at writing and telling jokes and stuff. But, so it just depends on the person. I think it's a, it's a, it's sort of like swimming and diving, you know, it's like uh, telling a a swimmer, like get up there and do flips and stuff. And he's like, that's not what I do. Right. And it's like, ah, you're in the water and the pool. Like, come on, you know how to do it. Right.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: And, and it's like, no, I don't, I would be scared to even try it. But after a while, like, you know, if you, if somebody yells something out once and you think of something and say it and it's funny, then you remember that. So then the next time somebody yells something out, then you're like, I'm going to say that thing I said last time <laughs> and it's going to seem like I just made it up. And, right. and then over time, then you, you get a line like that for, you know, a drunk person or a angry person or somebody that has to go to the bathroom but do not to the audience it
1: appears to be improv but it's something you've just developed over time because you've encountered the experience before
0: yeah and very rarely is it like we you learn like which part of the joke people usually yell stuff out you know like and that's why one of the I don't know how many people are listening to this to learn how to do comedy but one of the rules of comedy is uh don't pull the audience. Just tell the joke. So that's, you know, a lot of comics will be like, how many married people we got here? Anybody married? Or, uh, you know, how many people here are like drinking alcohol? And it's just their way of like introing the joke when you can just say, like, well, I'm married and, and then tell the joke. Or right. I drink alcohol because you're just inviting somebody to be like, oh, yeah, and I hate it. You know, or. Yeah. Oh, she's. Re- She's uh, this girl that I'm with isn't her? Don't tell her or something. Just somebody wants to try to be the comedian, and, uh, but if you don't give them that opportunity, then uh, then they people yell shit out when there's a moment of silence, and so if you just don't give them very many of those, then huh. then then it won't happen, you know.
1: It's funny. I I have a guilty pleasure and a small addiction to the show The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I
0: know I know of it. I've never watched it. Oh
1: my god. I don't know as a comedian, I don't know if you would enjoy it very much because I'm sure it glamorizes and completely alters what the world is really like for people like you. So, I could imagine that just like, you know, when a soldier watches like zero dark 30 and they're like no that is not how this actually happens so right I imagine that it's not the same for you but for me sitting you know on my couch watching it I think that I can be a comedian like I think I'm funny enough that I could go do what she does and then I talk to you and I'm like no just kidding there's no way I could do this
0: (laughs) I mean it comes it comes with time really like the thing I've always said is there's two things that you need in order to be a comedian. One is uh to be funny, which lots of people are funny, and the other is to have the guts to stand in front of people and not be funny and not want to die basically. <laughs> because that happens a lot, you know, and and a lot of especially in the beginning. I mean, once you learn how to tell jokes and how to be funny and you learn a few jokes that are funny then you can then there's rarely a time where you don't get at least some laughs you know but right. definitely in the in the beginning you don't have any material you don't have any jokes so you're just trying stuff and i mean there are some brutal nights where this noise is the noise that i hate to hear the worst in comedy and that's when a guy goes cuz that's just like i don't know if that comes across on audio but just like the the sh sound with a p at the beginning of it right of, no i of like <laughs> of like yeah i get it but i mean it's not funny
1: right so tell me about your worst night ever, and then tell me about your best performance, like where you walked away and you're like, oh, my God, this this was the right choice, and I'm so glad I did this.
0: Uh, well, the most recent best thing was uh, – because, you know, you have multiple best things, uh, because you're like, oh, that was the best, but then right. you have a, a thing later, and you're like, all right, well, it turns out that last thing wasn't that important, but now this thing <laughs> – uh, but we were doing the uh San Francisco comedy competition, and it was the semi finals of that competition and we were at i don't even remember what the theater was called, but it was a like sixteen hundred seat theater it was sold out uh so it was a huge deal to us and to everybody in the audience you know and uh and I just had uh, you know the the best set that I possibly could have had. Given the circumstance, and uh that was like the night that decided who moved on to the finals and and uh so I got to move on to the finals after that night and uh you know, big laughs from a giant audience is just the it's like the best version of the good feeling that you get when you do comedy
1: that's awesome, like endorphin yeah. releasing like just you feel really good about it,
0: oh yeah, it's a drug definitely uh. It's like, uh, that's why there's so many comedians doing this online comedy stuff now, because it's just, you have to get that feeling somehow, you know, of like, hey, what do you think of this? And people are like, hey, good idea. but I can't imagine,
1: I watched your one set where you talked about the online, that has to be hard to not have the instant reaction from people.
0: Yes, it is. You your options are to either potentially talk over people's laughs or pause when they didn't laugh. So you're just pausing there waiting for them to it's imagine watching like a sitcom with the laugh track taken out.
1: God. You I got a solution for you. What you could do, you could offer like for a fee, you could offer like a Zoom following oh, have, like where they, they can have watch that you. Already. Do they? they have, where they watch you? Oh, so you yeah. actually have at least from one part of your audience enough reaction so you know when to move on for the other part of your audience, the silent group.
0: Yep. They absolutely have that. I've done the uh what are they called? The social distance social club. Uh, <laughs> it's part of it's part of this thing uh that my friend started called Nowhere Comedy Club. Uh, so you can look that up. Nowhere Comedy Club. Nowhere Comedy Club. Uh, it's, uh, it's all online. It's all, uh, Zoom stuff. And they, uh, I think the way it works is you, uh, at least for the social distance social club, the way it works is that, uh, you can get on and watch for free, uh, or you can pay like $10 and be in what they call the front row. And those are the people who's, who are actually on Zoom with you, and you can hear them laugh, and you can see their faces. And That's and, awesome. Yeah. No, it's really neat the way that they have it set up.
1: Do you smoke? I do. Did you just light a cigarette? I did. Doesn't your mom have lung cancer?
0: Oh, believe me, you're not the first person that said that to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, That's bad for, for you, right?
0: <laughs> people said that to me and my smoking mom when my dad had lung cancer too, right? And well, yeah, and now and now my mom who has now quit says it to me. It's on the list. It's on the list of things so that I want to quit.
1: How talk to me a little bit about because this obviously my podcast is majority political, but I always try to sprinkle in every now and again. Like I did a, an episode with a guy who thinks the earth is flat. Um, oh.
0: did he convince you?
1: No. Not okay. even close. But <laughs>
0: Yeah. I have yet to meet one that that makes me be like, "Wow, I have Well, and his, of
1: that. his theory was even more interesting to me, I think, because His his thought process is almost like we're in you know like those shaker globes like the ones that you can buy the yeah like
0: a terrarium
1: yeah like it like we have a dome over top of us and we're just on this flat surface Uh, that to me is it's mind blowing but
0: well I mean I think it's it's interesting the way I look at the whole thing is I think it's it is equally as likely. That we either randomly occurred here through evolution and chance and whatnot, mm-hmm. or that God poofed us all here, or <laughs> that we are in a simulation, which I guess then would make whoever made the simulation our version of God, because everything would be the same truth or whatever, you know, like we didn't exist and then we did. Because of this big thing uh so i i still I, you know, like
1: i I am leaning towards i'm starting to get to like horton here's a who like I'm starting to feel like we're a speck of something on a bigger something that belongs to something other than us it's, i mean they came out and told us u f o s are real this week, so yeah,
0: <laughs> no i mean they they must be what is uh Q say that they're extending <laughs> all their ammunition. I mean, they're it really. When you go back and look at it, it's like it's like they're going down a checklist of things they can try to to just get Trump out of office. You know, pretty much. <laughs> they're like he's a Russian asset. Nope, he's uh, he can't call this uh, Ukrainian president. You can't do that. No, nope, you can do that. That's okay. <laughs>
1: Uh,
0: and now there's a disease like he's going to kill us all nope he didn't do that
1: uh, <laughs> now he's going to burn the whole country to ground vicariously yeah, through the, the opposing street. party's support
0: there's riots in the streets like nope that's we're not we're going to deal with that there's aliens <laughs> Trump can't handle aliens Bi- only Biden can handle the aliens oh <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah no i mean it all just seems i re, i really do look at it and feel like i'm watching a scripted movie yes and ooh, okay here's a neat thing that that your listeners might like uh and i'm sure that i'm not the first person that has thought of this but do you know what the sims are like the video yes, game, The, the games yeah okay so the way i think of it is that Uh, they've had, we've all had phones, smartphones and all that shit for 10 years, about 10 years. Uh, so they have 10 years worth of data on every human being, basically. So they can make a big giant supercomputer version of the Sims that is an identical replica of the world, or America at least, and then they can test theories on it. Because they know how we react. They know what we buy. They know where we go. They know, like, the faces that we make when we read certain things because it can see our face all the time, too. And now it's got the laser shit because it's uh, face identification stuff. The
1: biometrics, Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's, like, scanning every facial expression that we make. Like, it knows everything (laughs) that we think, basically. And so it can test theories against it, and it can basically see the future which I think is why, number one, Donald Trump was chosen to run for president, and second, why they can never seem to fucking get anything on the guy. He always says the thing that's, that's just right enough that it's okay. <laughs> you know what do I you
1: mean? Think there are people who really, do you really believe that?
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, it seems just as plausible as the fact that we're in a simulation or something. Like it's one of those things that I'm like, I don't know. I don't have any idea, but I, it's like a black mirror thing. Like, yeah, that could exist.
1: Well, I just, I sit and I think about, you know, even prior to 2016, like would you have ever thought that Donald Trump, the, the, TV star would have been the one thing standing between communist, socialist, anarchy and the American people and the foundational principles of this. Country. Could you imagine that you would see those two sides standing against one another and the only thing stopping the government from taking over our country is Donald Trump? Like would you have ever imagined that 6 years I ago? Don't think
0: that- no, I don't think I would have guessed that i I think I mean, looking back now, obviously, you can watch you know the oprah video and and all the stuff that he said in the eighties and nineties and and see that, oh yeah, he says a lot of that same stuff now, right so i mean you can I think the history books will will say it in a way of like in the eighties he said this, and in the nineties he said this, and then. In the in 2016, he ran, finally, you know. Right. Uh, but no, I mean, I didn't, I, I honestly, if I did think about it at the time, I thought of it in, like, a funny way. Sure. Of, like, yeah, I well, I think a like lot President of people, even Trump when he announced Sunday. his
1: candidacy, I think a lot of people still looked at it in a funny way. Like, Yeah, when, like you are going to
0: paint the White House gold. And, right.
1: Well, it takes me back. Do you remember that interview that uh what's her name the woman Anne Anne coulter is that no is that her name the woman who's super controversial with the blonde hair yeah that's her yeah when i think she's on bill maher's show and they went around the table and they're like who do you think's gonna win and she's the only one she's like donald trump and they all laughed at her like it was just this huge joke to everybody that he was even running
0: Yep, I've watched that video uh multiple times since 2016. The yeah. little the ma- the mashup of all of the people saying he has no chance and then the different news stations like saying, "Oh, well, he won." Like Donald Trump is going to be the president. I remember I fell asleep that night and uh just thinking like, "Well, it's going to be Hillary, like of course, you know." <laughs> and I woke up the next day and I was like, "Holy shit, he won."
1: <laughs> Uh, so yeah. how has that, I mean, like, I'll be honest, like you said in the beginning, Twitter doesn't directly reflect reality and and neither does, it, it's funny, my Facebook and my Twitter are literally like two different worlds. They're, they are not the same world at all, like they're not even close to one another. And When I, it's polar opposite. My Facebook feed is much more full of uh, anti-Trump messaging. And then my Twitter is like a a fucking party for Trump. Like, everybody loves him. So.
0: Well, but I mean, that's just uh, on Twitter, you're, you're making your Twitter world out of the ideas that you want to see. Right. You know, and on Facebook, your world is your friends and the people that you hang out with.
1: Right. Which doesn't make a lot <laughs> like, of sense.
0: Well, see, but that's the thing. I, I have a joke about it, but it's true that I think uh, by, people that hate Trump are like vegans and people that love Trump are like people that eat at McDonald's. Like, vegans will tell you that they're vegan, and they'll be sure to tell you how terrible McDonald's is every chance they get. And McDonald's people just quietly swing by on their way to work, and they don't – because they know that if they tell people about it, they're going to be like, what? Like, you ate a Big Mac for breakfast? That's, like, the worst decision that you could have possibly made. Yes, that is so true. so yeah, I don't. I and I think that's part of why Trump won. You know, that's why I supported him in the beginning was that I started. There were. Let me back up a little bit. Somebody said I don't remember where I read this or heard it or whatever, but they were talking about reading the newspaper and they said something along the lines of like, if you read an article that is about the job that you actually do then a lot of times you'll read it and you'll go well that's not how it is like they're just, right. they're they're spicing it up for the story but then you'll go and read the next article and think that it's 100% accurate but what you don't realize is that every single story is like that like this person doesn't know how somebody else feels or whatever like right. why are they writing that in the article like why don't they just tell me the news and let me determine how I think a person feels, or whatever the case is, you know? It
1: reminds me of when uh, Cuomo did his episode on the WikiLeaks information. He's like, you're not allowed to look at this. We are going to look at this and tell you what you should think about it.
0: (laughs) Right. And you know that there were millions of people that were like, oh, yeah, that's probably best.
1: Yeah. Which is
0: great. I don't want to see anything I'm not supposed to right it
1: right. um, is it's
0: it's it's crazy, but that's why he won, I think because I think a lot of people started to realize like dude, none of you are doing anything to change anything
1: right The only
0: changes that you're making are bad changes, like everything for the people, leads but to, really good to for something yourself. Bad. right, and I think a lot of that started to come out and and it's just it's it's we're still at a point where I I will only say that I'm a Trump supporter jokingly. Right. Like I'm not at a point yet where I'm I'm walking around with signs or something like that. Yeah, know, that's what you am
1: Would you put like a a Trump twenty twenty sticker on your car? Uh
0: not without uh the security camera pointing at it or something. <laughs>
1: That's sad. That's sad that we live in a country where you can't even support.
0: And I think think that's what's so uh, hypocritical about it is that the same people that are saying we should give rights to all these people and everybody should be the same and you should stop judging people are the people that would literally put Trump in in a in a camp or something, you know, because they yep. think that our our brains are wrong. Uh-huh. Like I, I, Dan Bongino says it really well when he says people on the extreme left think that conservatives are bad people with ideas or I've screwed up the quote, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Right. He says people on the right think people on the left are people with bad ideas and people on the left think people on the right are people with bad ideas. Shit, I fucked it up again. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Cut it all out. <laughs> this this whole podcast is going to be eight minutes long, and it's going to be
1: gold. I'm not cutting that part out. Cause that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
0: no, I'm really convincing a lot of people to... Way their politics here. Boy, that idiot guy really shines some light on some things for me.
1: No. Ah. <laughs> okay, so conservatives think of liberals as people with bad ideas, but the liberals think of conservatives as bad people with ideas.
0: That's exactly what I just said.
1: <laughs> okay. I think you should the same thing for both people, but it doesn't matter. The point is Dan Bongino said it best.
0: Yeah. Oh, he definitely said it better than I did.
1: <sighs> See, so, that's why I don't
0: have a a podcast because I'm not good at uh I'm not good at unscripted speaking as much as I am. That's why I like texting more than I like talking on the phone. You know, I'm better yeah. if you give me a if you give me a minute, I'm better. <laughs>
1: So your wit comes at a price of probably two minutes to think about
0: <laughs> Yes, exactly. Huh. Like my, it's my superpower, but it has to charge every time.
1: Like um, you tell me cool. a
0: line and then I'll think about it. It's sort of like that, that Seinfeld episode where George is like, what I should have said was this. And. <laughs> Like I always say, the wrong thing first. But if I think about it for a second, I'm like, no, don't say that. Ooh, say this. That's better.
1: So do you do you feel like? I mean, we just talked about how you couldn't publicly say that in in truth. Am I supposed to edit out that you support Trump too? Because I don't want it no, to affect I, your shows. Okay.
0: No, I don't mind. I uh, I think that he will still win the election. Do you really? I don't, oh, of course. I, I don't. don't think, I don't think that people are going to get to the point where everybody who likes him, or I, I get confused about using the word like versus using the word supports because I know right. there's a lot of people that are like, I don't like the guy at all, but damn it. He's doing a good job. Right. Uh, so people that support him, I don't think most of them will outwardly say it, but I do Publicly. think when we look back 10 years from now, there will be a lot of people that will say, like, I voted for the guy. I do, I do think that he'll win again. I think that, like he says, I think there is a silent majority.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think that I there's a silent majority, but I think that there is also a very large movement behind power meaning that there are a lot of people who have a really hard time with the, the fact that Donald Trump stands between them and and absolute power. And I feel Uh, like they will do anything. Yeah. And now we've got, I'm really proud of him. Donald Trump is never in the time that at least I've, I've watched him, you know, Since he decided to run for president, not one time has he ever come out and said, you know, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have done this. Not one time. Because I don't think he ever thinks he's actually wrong, (laughs) even if he is. But this whole, like, now he's starting to wear masks. States are starting to put mandates in place where, in my opinion, If we were really going to start mandating masks, we probably should have done this a really long time ago. I like my state, for example, my state has had daycares open the entire time. They never shut our daycares down.
0: What state are you in? Indiana. Okay.
1: And we've been, quote unquote, open since starting in April. Like we did phase one in like late April, early May. As of July 4th, our entire state is open. We have no restrictions regarding, you know, the number of people to events or anything like that. But our governor just put a mask mandate in place effective tomorrow. And I, I, yeah, and our numbers don't reflect the decision. So I think that there has been a shift and this is purely you know, hypothetical, like it, it's just my own thoughts. It, I have no proof to back up any of this, but I think that the message went out to say, even in Republican run states that don't need to, we want you to mandate masks because that eliminates the need for mail in voting. And I think he's taking away the opportunity for the Michigans, the Ohio's, the Californias, the Texas's. Places with Democratic-run areas to mandate mail-in voting.
0: See, I would think if I was a – and yes, I can see all of that being the case. But I think if I was a lawyer or something, that I would argue the fact that, hey, everybody's going to have masks on. Like, why don't we just let them mail in their votes? Like, it, it's way easier than proving that the picture on your ID is actually you. You know, you're going to have to take your mask off to do that or right. something, you know. But I I think really what the reasoning behind it is, is you're, you have a Republican governor, don't you? Yes. Who is it?
1: Eric Holcomb.
0: Is he good otherwise or is he a, a douche?
1: No, I I mean, I think he's really good. He's, like I said, as of July 4th, we've been open. It was Independence Day. The state of Indiana is open for business. We still have our bars open. We still have, I mean, there's nothing, no restrictions here now. Just you got to wear a mask in public places.
0: Yeah, honestly, I don't know what the reasoning behind, I mean, there's the, I guess, quote unquote, obvious reason, which is like, it protects you from the virus. <laughs> uh, that's definitely going around and killing a bunch of innocent people and all of that stuff, but in motorcycle uh, crashes, nonetheless. Yeah, see, and that's the fucked up thing about it is because the people that are saying basically the there's people who think that this is the the worst thing that's ever happened and that none of us have a chance, and then there are people on the other end of that spectrum, but the people on the other end of the spectrum. Aren't saying it doesn't exist at all. Right. What the only thing they're saying is this thing is not as bad as everybody's saying it is. And people are saying that it's worse than it really is. And we have evidence to prove that they're saying that it's worse than it is. Yeah. That's, I I think my problem
1: is, is when people, the same people, talk out of both sides of their mouth. So right now, the big thing here is. Schools, People going back to school, <clears throat> kids going back to school. And um, in my daughter's school district specifically, we got a letter from our school board a little over a month ago that illustrated what their reopening strategy was and when the kids were expected to go back to school. So they were supposed to go back on Wednesday of this week. Well, in a secret little backdoor voting meeting that they had with teachers, They decided to prolong the opening of school by two weeks. Well, now you've got all of these families who have their kids have been out of school for five months. They've taken their kids out to go buy their supplies, get their clothes, get them ready to go, get their hopes up, get them excited after they've been, you know, really recluses from their friends for the last five months. Now you're making us go back to those kids and tell them, just kidding, you're going to have to stay in for another half a month. And the school board is like, well, we just weren't ready. What do you mean you're not ready? You've had five months to get ready for this. Like, what? I don't understand why you're not ready. So now you've got people that are justifying it. You've got parents that are out there. And our school gave two options. They gave e-learning for those people who didn't feel comfortable sending their kids to school. And then they gave in school option where you send your kids to school like normal. And so you've got people coming and saying, well, they should keep the schools closed. You don't know the kids can be carriers and you don't know it. And then you say, okay, well, is it so bad of a disease that everyone is carrying it and nobody knows about it? Or is it so bad of a disease that, Everyone's going to die because we've had daycares open the entire time, and we haven't had large clusters of daycare workers being sent home because they have COVID. We haven't had – in Indiana sports have been going on for over three months now. We haven't had large numbers of coaches being sent home because the disease spreads so easily from children to adults. So why, if we've had sports open and we've had daycares open, why will you not open the schools?
0: That was all very well
1: said <laughs> oh, I, no I got
0: answer a, for you.:
1: I went to the school board meeting. I was so mad when I find, found out that they did like this backdoor vote that I went and spoke, and I ended up on the news crying because I was, you know like when, you probably don't know this because you're a guy, but as a female, we react differently than men. like I get so pissed off that I start crying like I just get so mad that's the only response
0: that's exactly the way that my body works also
1: so I get up and I try to speak and all that comes out are tears and I end up on the news and (laughs) I'm like this is
0: horrible did you have friends calling you and stuff and yeah
1: later that night at 11 p.m. I had no idea the news was recording me and they call, they're like texting me and calling me. They're like, Hey, I just saw you on the news. Good job. You spoke for all of us. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible, but that's what I have a problem with. I have a problem with you can't use the data to support both. You can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. You can't say, well, it's so prevalent. We just don't know if there, everybody may have it and you just don't pre- present symptoms. And then in the next breath, they're like, our teachers are at risk. You're going to kill all the teachers and all the grandmas and everybody else. Well, is it is it so deadly that we're going to kill everybody, or is it so prevalent and so innocuous that everybody has it and you just don't know it? Like which one yeah. is it? Can't have both.
0: No, but uh, that's the the beauty of the news and whatnot is that they can say both and people are still going to go,
1: yeah, yeah. I've I've really, I've turned off the news for the most part. I, I still watch Tucker Carlson, and I, I'm always honest with people about where I get my information from. But a bunch of it, I like, if I want to know anything about politicians, I just turn on C-SPAN and watch them bury themselves alive in real time and then watch the spin later and watch how, you know, the different yeah. networks carry what actually happened.
0: Yeah, that's a smart way to do it. Because then you can see where the bullshit is, you know, yep.
1: so do you feel like do you feel like it affects your comedy to for the for that political correctness to be so ingrained in people where you're really incapable of being logical anymore? You can't you can't be logical in today's society. Like your brain can't function that way. It has to be emotional. You have to respond to things emotionally. otherwise, you're um, a flu of ists or phobics or whatever. Well, I think comedy
0: has always sort of been right there on the line of stuff, you know? there's right. the, uh
1: Equal you know, opportunity offenders.
0: Yeah, but I, but, uh, you know, I think what you could say in the 90s is different than what you can say today, but there's always been what you can and can't say right and so we always try to get as close to that as we can but i think the difference about it now is i think that line is sort of wiggly whereas it used to be a very rigid line which was like you know you don't don't say the n-word and don't uh uh say the c-word or whatever you know like uh uh cunt
1: oh Okay. I don't care about that one, but but okay, keep going.
0: Some people care a whole lot about it,
1: but uh, you know, those were
0: some rules then, and then somewhere around the mid-2000s, I think, then it was like, uh, you can't say gay jokes anymore, you know, and and you never, and I can't say never, but as long as I've been alive, I mean, you've never been able to make jokes that were blatantly like, against gay people or whatever but i had a right. joke about i had a joke about like uh uh ordering shots at a bar and like you know like not that there's anything wrong with it but i don't want the bartender thinking i'm gay or anything
1: right. and like
0: that was that was a totally normal sentence to say in the year 2000 and then right. somewhere between 2000 and today then literally saying that is like you said, I mean, that can cancel your – it's like you don't want people to think you're gay. Like, right. why not? What's wrong with you? Like, what? Yeah, what's wrong with it? Like, what are you saying there's something wrong with it? And it's like, no, I just – I'm not gay. So <laughs> right. I just wanted this bartender to know the person that I am or whatever. And by the time you explain all that, then the, it's not a joke anymore, you know? Uh, so it's uh, – but even now, I mean – if if I think back to three years ago when I would say, I think Trump's going to win again, honestly, then I would hear boos from different parts of the audience. And then I would right. say a joke where I said I would point at them and I would go, actually, Hillary would have won the last election if just a few more people had booed at a comedy show. <laughs> uh, so that always got a little laugh. And I'm like, way to go. You're really making a difference. But what I've noticed over the last couple of years is that now when I say, I, honestly, I think he's going to win again, then it, you get a couple people that are like, uh, and that's them saying, like, yeah, you're probably right. And then I get a few people that are like, woo. So it's definitely wow. changed just in the way that the audience is.
1: Do you? Is so that I don't know. Of where you're at, though? Like, you probably couldn't go into L.A. and, and lay those same jokes and get the same response, right?
0: Oh, I mean, some of the first places I did it was in Seattle and New York. Uh, wow. Because, and that's the way that I tried to write those jokes uh, about Trump and stuff. I don't know if I've even posted a lot of them because I'm saving them for something big or whatever, you know. But a lot of my Trump jokes are from the, the point of view of like, like, yeah, you can hate him if you want to, but hate him because of, uh you know his brashness or or whatever don't hate him because of a thing that you can't prove is real
1: right like
0: like hate him because you don't like the way his hair is or cuz you don't like the way he dresses or because of a policy that he's enacted or something but don't hate him on a policy that they said he enacted that he didn't actually enact right like when they say the term muslim ban Like there are – I don't know what the percentages are, but I bet a good chunk of people still believe that Trump banned Muslims from coming into America, and he didn't. He he banned a list of countries that Barack Obama banned also. I don't know if that's actually accurate. Is it?
1: Well – If it's um, not,
0: somebody will tell me. But regardless (laughs) – I know that there were other Muslim, like predominantly Muslim countries that were not on the list, and that some of the countries on the list were not predominantly Muslim. So right. both of those things together tell me, no, he was just banning people that lived in dangerous countries that we didn't right. want to deal with yet.
1: Well, countries that specifically had activity that pointed to terroristic threats. So. The executive order that you're talking about, I think if i'm it's the one three seven six nine I think is the executive order, and wow. it was politically named as like politically labeled like it wasn't issued that way as the quote Muslim ban by the people who didn't support it um it was labeled as a travel ban by people who did support it. Specifically, the executive order was designed to protect the nation from foreign terrorists from coming into the country. So it was specifically countries that he he didn't want to allow travel from had nothing to do with a religion. Yeah, so I know what you're talking I about. What
0: I was talking about before that, but that <laughs> that proves that point.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. I think that it's really important. If people are going to say, "I don't support this president." They need to have something, and I don't say they need to have it. They can choose to support or not support whoever they want to. The problem is I feel like, and I say this a lot, that's why I really started this podcast to begin with. That's why I started my blog to begin with. It was really to to educate people. Like civics needs to be brought back into schools, and that's very evident this pandemic brought that into picture probably more than anything ever has because the fact that people don't understand that Donald Trump can't control the testing strategies in Louisville, Kentucky, that's controlled by the health department, the governor and the mayor of that city. Like it's, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. So when you have Nancy Pelosi on CNN and MSNBC saying, Donald Trump needs to get a testing strategy together. Well, what, what do you, what, he's the president of the United States. He's over the executive branch. What really needs to happen is you need to communicate with your state legislatures and you need to work with your own state. You need to go to California and you need to worry about your testing strategy. It's not Donald Trump's job, job to do that, but people don't understand the separation of powers for anything anymore. They think that every single thing that goes wrong in the country is Donald Trump's fault.
0: Yeah, and but I, it's sort of the same. Uh, well, I guess it's the exact opposite as when Obama was in office. And mm-hmm, that's right. When the whole, Nothing you know, is Obama. ever too <laughs> Right. But anything good that happens, it's like, oh man, thanks, Obama. That was yeah. great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
0: don't know. I I do think that things are slowly starting to change. You know, I think there's there's okay. When you compare things that you can say today versus things that you could say three years ago, then now you can – well, as far as I say can say, I just mean things that I feel comfortable talking about. Like three years ago, I assumed and was 90 percent sure that there was no Russian collusion, but I couldn't – I didn't feel comfortable coming out and saying that because – that would uh, go against the narrative or whatever, you know, right. people would think that I I was a conspiracy guy or whatever. And, and that's the problem is that the news is able to tell us what conspiracies are. Uh, because now I know without a doubt that there was no Russian collusion and I can say it and I've tweeted it and things like that. And I'll, you know, I tweeted like, man, isn't it great that there was not a, any Russian collusion? Like, it sure is great that we didn't have a president that was working with Russia. Like, good news, huh, guys? And, you know, nobody really said anything about it. But, right. But that's – and that's the thing is I make a joke about that too, about Russian collusion is sort of like cheating on your wife. And then 10 years later, somebody's like, hey, you guys remember Becky, right? And you're like, eh. Like, don't – we don't talk about that now. Like, that's just – that's agreed that we don't mention that anymore. Uh,
1: that's it's so, so I true. I think you think about Adam Schiff. Like, he's the one that got on the news and said, I have seen evidence that this president colluded with Russia in the 2015 election. He got on yeah. national news and said that. He has been back on national news multiple times since we found out the whole Russia collusion thing was actually a, a former president spying on a presidential campaign. We found out that it was all fake. And no one has asked him, hey, Adam, why did you lie to the American people? Like, no, we just don't talk about it. We just, we don't think about it.
0: it." Isn't it crazy? It's But I think, I think people are starting to learn that on their own. Like, I definitely have friends that were 100% against the idea of Trump in the beginning that are now like, all right. So wait, so you mean like the FBI, like the whole FBI? <laughs> like, no, no, not not the whole FBI. Just like the guys right up at the
1: top. like No, just the, guys the people who- running the FBI. <laughs> right. But I'm like,
0: but everybody under them, like I, the way I explain it is it's like working at a bank or something. That's like funneling millions of dollars into some offshore account or something like the girl that works. As a bank clerk or whatever that word is, like she's not a bad guy. She just goes to work every day and just right. cashes checks for people and shit and does what she's told. Like she's not in on it. Uh And that's how or the even FBI at her works. boss Austin
1: says, "Are you sure we should be doing this?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's
0: not big right. deal. I'll go ahead and change yeah. that Rio
1: two. It's all right."
0: But then she's the she's the one that ends up being, like, the main witness against them when they all do, like, a big RICO case.
1: Because she's like, because I knew I wouldn't have done guys it. Why are these being murdered right now? Because they're all <laughs> going to testify against them. It's crazy. It's all crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, and I'd like, I mean, I would like to think that that's exactly what's happening, that there are grand juries all over the place and that that people are actually, uh, going you know. Going to be gonna, in trouble for the yes. things that you did. Right. It's, and I think that the public is gonna find out. And I think well, that once all that starts to come out then then people like us aren't gonna seem so crazy anymore.
1: There was there was a guy who took pictures in a nuclear submarine and he got he I'm pretty sure he got court martialed. His name was uh Christian Saucier or Saucier, I don't remember how to say his name properly, but he was actually convicted. He took like selfies to send home to his family. But because he was in a submarine and in one of the classified areas, he was court-martialed. And he was only 34, had a wife and a new baby. Um, Donald Trump pardoned him and he caught 10 kinds of hell for pardoning this guy. And it was like, like three pictures or something that he sent home to his family like it wasn't a it wasn't a nefarious situation it wasn't like he was taking pictures of stuff and sending it to China or or anything like that but he was court-martialed and had to be pardoned by the President of the United States Diane Feinstein had a Chinese spy as her driver for like nine years and she's still a member of the gang of eight and it's It's that type of, I think, just rules for me and not for me. Like, if you want to talk about who we're really against, we're not against each other. It's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not black versus white. It's not anything like that. It is the American people against the government that is supposed to serve us that doesn't. And I I think that more people are starting to recognize that and realize that. If we could get the I think so too nineteen to twenty six year old class on board with us, I think we we'd be in a much better situation. But the people that are still living at home with their parents that have the time to go protest at three o'clock in the morning, I'm gonna need their right. parents to pull out some belts. Like I need and some books. I need <laughs> I need some education to go on in that demographic.
0: Yeah, I I mean it's I notice that a lot of Families think the same way. You know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, 20-year-olds who think the same way their parents thought um, just because they don't follow politics enough. I mean, I voted for Obama twice. Uh, I voted for Al Gore way back when. Like I, I was a wow to Democrat. go from being
1: an Al Gore supporter to being a Trump supporter. That's a that's a one eighty right there.
0: I just knew that you know the Democrats were like uh,
1: like grumpy guy.
0: old men and or no I'm sorry Republicans. Republicans. I, in, in my brain, I just knew that they were the grumpy old men and that that Democrats were like the nice people that wanted to help people and stuff. Right. And that's all you know. That's what. I don't know if I've made this phrase up or not, but I like to say you uh, are taught to be a Democrat, but you have to learn to be a Republican.
1: That's a really good phrase. My dad used to always tell me, he'd say, when you're, he said, when you're young, you're a Democrat. When you have to start paying your own bills and raising your own family, you become a Republican. That's what my dad always said to me.
0: Yeah, because you're like, what? I ain't paying for that guy's stuff.
1: Oh my gosh, there was this video. I was going to share it yesterday, but I forgot to. It's this little boy, and he's in the car, and he is so excited because he got his first paycheck, and his dad is recording him opening it. And he opens it, and he is devastated because it's not the amount that he was. Because, you know, young kids, they do the math. I worked X amount of hours at this amount of pay. And then they open that check up and they see where Social Security was taken out, where, like, all the different taxes are taken out. And he is so upset with the, his total net amount that he gets paid. And he looks at it and he gets, he gets out and then he gets back in the car. And, it's, and then he looks at his dad and he goes, well, son, you grossed this amount. But this is what you get after you pay taxes. And he goes, but why don't I get what I earn? And I was like, oh, my God, it's the next libertarian. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to turn this completely political towards the end. I really just wanted to know if it has impacted you and if it has, you know, maybe even hurt you to have to. Because I think about shows like The Office or even Seinfeld, those shows wouldn't. Exist today, they wouldn't be able to be on television today. And as a current network primetime show, it would be taken off of the air because cancel culture would make sure that it didn't exist.
0: Right. And I
1: didn't know if if having to censor yourself was impactful enough for you to have to to alter yourself, or if you felt like because you think about. Or, or I think about at least the Adam Sandlers, the Dave Chappelle's, the, even the Jerry Seinfeld's of the world. And I feel like they are at a point where they don't have to censor themselves. They've made enough money. Fuck you if you don't like what I have to say. Dave Chappelle especially. Um, and he says whatever. It doesn't matter who you are. You are an an opportunity target for him. And he has always been that way. Yeah, and I, you know, people still try to cancel him because I don't see it getting any better right now. I don't see, I don't know. I I say that I'd say probably here in the last couple weeks, cancel culture's taken a big hit, especially when you saw Barry Weiss quit um at the New yeah. York Times and put out that scathing uh, letter of of resignation, and I feel like the conversation shifted at least just a little bit to say, okay, maybe we should stop trying to ruin people's lives because we don't agree with them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're there yet, but I think that we will get there eventually. Um,
1: Well, they're going to have to start eating their own eventually. Like it's going to get to the point where nobody can say anything or you're going to have to start, start eating your own. Like you're going to have to start canceling people within your own communities
0: yeah i think we'll get to the point eventually where everybody's just going to have to agree like okay anything any of us said before 2018 it's fine now
1: (laughs) you're not allowed to go back past this date you can only cancel me if you did
0: a really shitty thing then, yeah, we can still get you in trouble. But if you just said or thought or posted a shitty thing, then there's nothing we can do if it was pre 2018. I think that should be the rule where it's just like, dude, like I didn't know that that word wasn't going to be a word anymore. Like I was just calling my buddy. Like we didn't, we didn't think anything of it, you know?
1: Okay. Shameless plug time. And then I will let you go because I've kept you for a very long time. Um, tell people where they can find your info, tell people how they can contribute or help you through COVID and where they can watch your stuff.
0: Uh, you can do all of those things that you just said by going to mikeisfunny.com. And okay. uh, there's, there's links there. You can buy uh, T-shirts. I have T-shirts that say I have one that says "Ninjas Hate Crunchy Leaves," and then I have another one that j- just says "Shirt." Uh, and then I'm also actually right now I'm in the process of uh, making hats that say "Hat" and masks that say "Mask."
1: Oh my god! <laughs> so Not go as to buy- be obvious or anything,
0: right? You can buy some of that stuff if you want, or you can just donate money if you got plenty of money, or there's a link to my, I did a Target gift registry, as you know, and uh, there's a link to that if you want to go to that and buy me some dishes or something.
1: <laughs> all right, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. I wish you all the best. Hopefully, I will get to see a show in person someday. Um, much love to you, and if you need anything else, let me know.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an honor. I'm glad to have uh, brought you into my life.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Take care, Mike.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. Praise
0: the Lord the the know not what course others may take. But as
1: for me, give me liberty or give me death.